It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. What do the teams you root for, your music playlists, and your podcast feeds all have in common? Spoiler alert, they're a reflection of you, and that's what the State Farm Personal Price Plan has in common, too. It gives you options to help personalize your coverage so that you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you, so you can see more of yourself in everything you love. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, Joe Burrow met with the Bengals in Indianapolis, had their official 18-minute interview, and this is the first time, as far as we know, that the Bengals have officially met Joe Burrow, or unofficially met Joe Burrow, if you believe what Zach Taylor tells you. There were a lot of higher-ups for the Bengals in that meeting, so we'll talk about that. And we haven't really gotten into the combine in full. We've been very distracted with Joe Burrow and that whole narrative that we're not going to talk about anymore. We're just going to focus on things that are reportable in news. So we'll give you a little bit of a combine primer as we get into a bit of a different schedule, different drills. So we'll set some expectations for what's different this year for the rest of the show. But first, let's cover Joe Burrow's interview with the Bengals and the Bengals.com piece that has your first reaction from sources close to the team on how that went. Bengals.com's Jeff Hobson has the first and only report that I've seen so far on Joe Burrow's formal 18-minute interview with the Cincinnati Bengals. That meeting consisted of Mike Brown, Zach Taylor, Duke Tobin, Brian Callahan, quarterbacks coach Dan Pitcher, and director of college scouting Mike Potts, who was responsible for the southeast area of the United States and thus was a primary scout on Joe Burrow. And it sounds like it went really, really well. Yeah, Jeff Hobson says everyone came out with smiles and was excited with what they heard from Joe Burrow, the interaction they had with him. Um, I think it's significant to note that Mike Brown was there because That seems like the last part of or the last key to turn to make this pick number one overall would be to have the owner sign off on it. And if this is his first meeting, which obviously sounds like it is, um, this is a great time for him to say, "Okay, all your evaluations are correct. All your assumptions about the guy are correct. Let's go ahead and make the pick. According to the article on Bengals.com, it was Mike Brown that broke the ice 
in the meeting with Joe Burrow, making a little bit of small talk, having some conversation before they really dove in and just started talking about football. Mike Potts facilitated the conversation. Dan Pitcher was working the film for Callahan and Taylor, and they talked through it, and it sounds like it went really well. Marissa Contepelli also talked to Brian Callahan before the interview, and they talked about what he was looking for, what he had seen on film so far, and it just continues to be a love fest at this point. And like Joe said, with Mike Brown in the room, there to observe, it sounds like he didn't really get into the football part of the conversation too much. This thing is essentially a rubber stamp at this point. The way Bengals.com is reporting on it is a giveaway in the first place, but then within that article, Hobson reports that one club official, not amongst the key group of Brown, Taylor, Tobin, and Callahan, said that it was the best interview he had ever attended. You don't get that from Jeff Hobson willy-nilly. No, you don't. When when Hobson says something like this, he's normally a guy you have to read between the lines. But when he comes out and says that, I think we can all step back again. I mean, it's been a very successful week at the Combine so far for anyone who has wanted the Bengals to draft Joe Burrow without any turmoil or drama. And it sounds like two days in a row we can really relax and breathe easy. The Bengals also had a great time talking to Tua Tungo Viola, not to misdirect this conversation too much but Tago Viola said during his podium time that he was going to be thankful to whatever team drafted him so there's two quarterbacks for the Bengals to consider if those are their two top quarterbacks and with two his medicals looking good there is some due diligence to be done there but I think it is just that due diligence at this point point. and you got to remember they coached Justin Herbert at the senior bowl so they have had hands-on the top three quarterbacks here they're probably going to be very comfortable with these guys and they have 45 interviews or players they can interview this week at the Combine, all 18 minutes long. So it's a big uh, roundabout with every NFL team and all these prospects. And you have to choose who you want to spend your time with because you only get 45 of them. One of those obviously was Joe Burrow. And besides it just going well, the Bengals.com piece tells us that that conversation likely started with reviewing the game tape against Clemson and how early in the game They had some breakdowns in protection. Maybe Burrow wasn't getting the right calls in at the line because he did have the ability he talked about. He was making checks at the line of scrimmage. So they wanted to talk about what went wrong there and how he and the rest of the LSU team overcame those early struggles against a pressure defense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You would want to ask these questions that aren't readily available on tape. The answers aren't, right? These these are things you want to speak to the quarterback about. And Brian Callahan, the offense coordinator, praises the mental aspect of Joe Burrow. But he also talks about it's not just the big throws or the big plays, that it's the ones where he has to slide and pushes up and makes an off-platform throw right on third down, over the middle, between defenders and you know, that's the throw. The guys that can keep their eyes up against the rush are really what separates the average quarterbacks from the great ones. And that's not to say that Joe Burrow is a finished product. You can look at Greg Cosell's report on Burrow that was published today by Dan Horde on Twitter, and you'll see that one of the weaknesses is sometimes drops his eyes too early, sometimes breaks down in the pocket. And obviously that's a different world than we're living in with Andy Dalton. But when Callahan talks about a translatable skill because you see it over and over on film, those subtle manipulations of the pocket, that's something that I think you can look forward to. And the praise for the mental aspect of the game, the pocket management, the accuracy, these are all things that we've been talking about all offseason. And it's nice that the coaches are repeating the same thing. 
And now that they've digested the tape, the LSU tape, watching Joe Burrow and talk to the quarterback, uh, Callahan was asked about the similarities or the, the contrasting differences. And he says, quote, there's quite a bit of similarities between the LSU offense and the Bengals. They ran an NFL scheme as far as drop back passing. We have many of the uh, very common concepts, West Coast scheme in nature. Uh, Sean Payton is where Joe Brady got a lot of that stuff. That's not all that foreign. They did a nice job with the run pass option, the RPOs. Uh, and there are things they did well and we'll probably end up taking from them whether we draft Joe Burrow or not. You know what's interesting about that quote to me? Scott Kurisic, who does Atlanta Falcons stuff, posted a, a big coaching tree today. And Sean Payton comes from a Bill Parcells school, according to this tweet. Sean McVay comes from a Bill Walsh school along with Zach Taylor. So all these guys, Kyle Shanahan is a Bill Walsh guy. Obviously his dad, Mike Shanahan, too. It's just interesting that at their root, they're actually coming from everybody's coming from Parcells or Walsh, essentially, yep. that's coaching in the NFL right now, except maybe Bruce Arians, uh, according to this list. So it's just interesting that you point out, you know, there are all these similarities because everyone in the NFL is running the same stuff. At exactly. This point. But different sources at their core. Joe, there's a lot of changes in the combine this year. I'm not really aware of what a lot of those are, except the schedule is different and people are complaining about it. If you listen to those that are on the ground in Mobile, they're saying, well, what are we doing? Their coaches are standing around in the afternoon with nothing to do because the, everything's at night now. So we'll talk about what we can expect from the combine this year in just a minute. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe we've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House. Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. If you've been a listener of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, you've heard the great advertisers like Abco Safety, Tourism Arizona, and the Epic Hotel down in Miami who have worked with us to reach Bengals fans. We are a great way for you to reach out and get in touch with local podcast listeners. Our local Locked On podcast listeners, predominantly a male audience, well-educated, and most importantly, they have disposable income money to spend. So if you want to connect with Bengals fans to come make some purchases from your local business, we have an opportunity right now for you. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. 
You may have noticed this year's NFL scouting combine is a little bit different, or at least it feels different, right? We're getting the the weigh-ins a little bit differently. We're getting the uh, podium and interview with players and coaches a little bit differently, way before anyone is going out and stepping onto the field and doing their drills or their timed measurements. And that's in an effort from the NFL to get this all on prime time. So if you're wondering when are they actually going to do something, when are they going to run, well, you're probably listening listening to this on Thursday. And the first group will run on Thursday from 4 to 11 p.m. at night. It is a prime time event now, Jake. I'm not sure I like that. I don't at all. And, and the players don't. And from what we've heard from, like I said in the previous segment, People in Indianapolis don't, so I don't. I don't know who likes this, because you know if you're on the West Coast, you're gonna miss the first five hours or four hours or something. If you're on the East Coast, you're like, I don't want to watch guys running until 11 p.m. Right. So I don't really know who this is for. Um, maybe maybe it's for the West Coast guys though, because I mean, if you used to come on at 10 a.m., I'd be you know just chilling in, in my underwear on the couch yeah. watching this as a young man and what are the guys on the west coast doing sleeping you i'm talking to you right now what in the morning i mean for yeah when the combine's on in the morning are you getting up at 7 a.m to watch it well it's a work day not all of them they used to be you know thursday friday saturday sunday uh um, so on saturdays and sundays are you getting up to watch the combine or you when you get up you'll you'll check it i, I don't watch the combine okay so this is not for you yeah, I don't know who it's for. Like, the Combine is not a very watchable event, in my opinion. Hmm. There's some stuff that's sort of exciting, but for the most part, it's like, uh, just give me the numbers. Like, give me the numbers I care about. Like, all I really care about for the for most positions is what you weigh in at, what you run in the 40, and really for the 40, for most positions, I only care about your 10 and 20-yard split. Sure. And, and I care about your agility drills for... Well, every position, except quarterback, maybe, to some degree. I care less. Three cone. You want three cone for the quarterback. Yeah, but, like, I I care less about a quarterback's three cone, and maybe I should care more, but I care less about a quarterback's three cone than a linebacker or a corner. Of course, and I think they should have, a few years ago, now that we're just on the subject about it, um, they should have prioritize the three cone and really glorified it the way they did the the 40 yard dash because it's one of the more it i mean what in terms of predictive value three cone over 40 yard dash completely oh yeah for, for almost every single position if not every position uh and it's one they don't even show and it's one that we can't even get the numbers sometimes until the next day uh but you know something you said that i didn't think about well you said the people of indianapolis don't like it yeah, they used to probably all the players and coaches and scouts would go out at night, spend money at restaurants and bars. Now they're there till eleven. What do you think they're doing? They're probably going back home or uh, going back to the hotel to get ready for meetings again in the morning. So I bet that put a dent in Indianapolis a little bit. Yeah, I think that there's a whole lot about this that is weird. I mean, it's experimental, right? Like the NFL right. probably reaps a benefit from this because. They're going to probably get, like, they own NFL Network, right? Like, that is an NFL-run product. They're going to get a ton of ad revenue from oh, yeah. from people trying to, to, to add. But then again, Friday night is not a money-making night for TV. So, I, I don't, I don't know. So, in the last segment, we mentioned they get 45 interviews, 18 minutes long. It used to be 60 interviews at 15 minutes long. So, 
You're getting a little bit longer with each of these guys, but dropping it down to 45, you're losing a, an opportunity to meet with 15 players. I think uh, the teams that met at the Senior Bowl with a lot of these, especially the Lions and the Bengals, are going to have a big advantage. They're going to be able to reach and, and hit more of these guys this year. And Duke Tobin talked about that. He said that this year specifically is just it's a big perk that they got to talk to so many of those guys at the Senior Bowl. And that reduction of time actually means that they've lost 90 minutes of interview time. So not only have they lost interviews, but they've also lost total time. And I, I just, there's there are a lot of things about this that don't really make sense to me as a guy who would like want this to be good for the football teams to have an idea of who they're drafting. But it is what it is. And there's new drills. So let's talk about maybe the new make- drills. One more point, though, because yeah. the Bengals pick number one, and let's say they have this pick you know, locked up, even, even if it's not today, it's in the next few weeks or whatever. Uh, I feel bad for the teams that can only meet with 45 players if you're picking like 20th, because you kind of have to meet with 20 guys just for your first pick to get the right range of them, uh, where the Bengals could probably slide back now and say, okay, we can focus on 33 and start getting in that range for those players. Uh, so I think it's going to be harder on, on some teams than others to lose those interviews. And maybe all of my dissatisfaction with the combine is just a byproduct of my dissatisfaction with the national media. And I just want to be outraged right now. Maybe I've fallen into that internet trap and I'm not outraged about the combine changes. I just think that they don't make any sense and they're a little silly and yeah. that they're trying to make some money, but they, they, there are different drills. Maybe yep. these will be interesting. So for the quarterback, they they've added, end zone fades they've added timed smoke routes so that being the the quick throw right at the line of scrimmage right the the step back throw it kind of thing for running backs they've added something that is being called the deuce staley drill the inside routes with change of direction added to routes run which is kind of cool you see a lot of guys running that texas route that angle route whatever you want to call it if you play madden or whatever it's the texas or or angle actually it's probably called both in men but that and you know what else i would like to see running backs run and i don't know if they do because i don't watch the combat is i want to see the wheel oh they do that they do the wheel they send them deep to see if they can track the ball and it's normal normally very very bad and that's my that's my favorite thing to, to look for and for the positional drills is can these guys track the ball especially dbs yeah. You can really separate some guys uh, just by watching a few routes or a few uh, drills. Next one's receivers and tight ends. They're going to obviously participate in the end zone fade route, which I'm a big lover of the fade route. Oh, you know what I read earlier, too, that they should add because people are starting to say, well, how about this now since you're adding drills, getting the quarterback off script or yeah. get him to, to you know run out of the pocket and make 100%. a play on him. Right, because, I mean, like guy like Dwayne Haskins last year really wasn't good at that. I would have loved to have seen him do that at the Combine. Well, and you hear coaches, all the coaches that they talk to about Combine drills say, you know what, they can all, they, these guys should all be able to make the, the static throws. If they can't, then, you know, they're, they're probably looking at the wrong job. So when you start to add some variability in there, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially for talking about changing it up. So, so yeah, I, I 100% am with you there. So next one's offensive line. There's a new mirror drill. Don't know what that is. I kind of like the old mirror drill. I hope I hope this isn't replacing it and just adding onto it. And mirrors when you know you got the the rabbit in front of you and you're trying to 
stay with them while staying in your stance, um, ho- moving horizontally. And then they have a screen drill, which is great. I'd love to see these guys get out in space and see how they run. So uh, that's something the Bengals can use a little bit of anyways. Defensive line is getting what is called the run and club drill and run the hoop drill, which I thought they had the run the hoop drill before. You know, you got to run around it and tighten your arc and your angle, your ankle flexion, if you will. Yeah, the, I heard somebody talking about they're doing a figure eight. So maybe that's what that mm. is now. So they're 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 gonna see how they bend and then bend and then bend and then bend because you know okay eight it goes yeah I know what a figure eight is yeah thanks a lot Jake linebackers so <laughs> <laughs> the line linebackers will shuffle sprint change of direction drill okay and short zone breaks drill so they probably want to see them click and close kind of how they did with the corners is is any of that really new I thought they no, did all that. Nope, it doesn't sound new. I, unless they're like defining it finally and kind of not leaving it up to the position coach that's running it. Maybe they're changing it. Maybe they're going to actually. No, they can't. I was going to say maybe they're going to run actual like routes in front of them and make them diagnose. And but but that doesn't make any. No, this is all non-contact. They yeah. want to do that. All right, defensive backs last. Oh, you're going to like this one. There's the line drill, and then there's the Terrell Austin drill. Remember him. Box drill, <laughs> yeah, he lasted eight games, and gauntlet drill. So those are your new drills this week. I read that off of Silver and Black Pride. I believe they're an SB Nation blog. They are. They are the Las Vegas Raiders. Have you said that before? I don't know if I've said that out loud before. I don't think I have either. The Las Vegas Raiders sister blog or brother blog or whatever. Same network as Matt Minnick, who was on the show yesterday, Cincy Jungle. So, obviously a good place to find football content. We're going to talk about some players that have weighed in so far. Some players that we're very interested to see how they perform in some drills at the Combine to wrap up the show today. And then tomorrow, I'm going to tease this early, we're going to do our regular mailbag. So get your questions ready. We'll be right back. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So players are going to run tomorrow or today, depending on when you listen to this. And there's already been weigh-ins. And I would say this year less surprises than normal. I don't know why that is. I, you know, maybe it's because most of my catalog of players comes from the Senior Bowl. And we already had those weigh-ins and measurements. So, you know, as I'm look, scrolling through the list of names, the ones that are popping out are the guys I re- remember from being down in Mobile. But, uh there were a few players that either whether it's whether it's arm length, and I think that's a big thing for offensive line at tackle. You want to have over 33-inch arms, especially if you're not a guy with a lot of athleticism. So quickly we see guys like Ben Barch where you're under 33. You may have to kick inside as a guard, and that's okay. He's a, he may be an Ali Marpet who was also a D3 guy that was drafted third or fourth round by the Bucks and moved into guard also. Uh, but for me, I think... One that stood out today, or as we're recording and this on Wednesday, the linebackers went through and they weighed in. And I was happy to see Akeem Davis Gaither put on another five pounds since the Senior Bowl, and that's going to be key for him because uh, 224 now gets him in the range of okay, he's not a safety. He was listed at 219, 
and he's continued to put on weight because he was a, a, a move player for Appalachian State and all over that defense, even in the secondary. And putting that on, and if he tests well, which everyone is expecting him to, that's really going to push him up. And we've talked about him a few times now. So it was a nice another check of the box for him. And again, for linebackers, I particularly am interested in their 10-yard, 20-yard splits to the 40-yard dash. I want to know how they accelerate compared to the standard at the position. Long speed matters a little bit less to me, but when you see a guy, and they're talking about Patrick Queen maybe breaking the 4-4 barrier. That's Matt Miller who said he heard three or 4-3-8 is potentially the, the mark for Patrick Queen. So we'll see if that works out. I, I, it'll be interesting to see also comparing these to previous years, if any of these numbers are wholesale different from the different time of day. Because if these guys are tired mm. and you're running at 11 at night, is that going to is that gonna affect the performance in some of these drills? It'll be interesting to see that. That's all I'm saying. But Akeem Davis-Gaither, like you said, added 200, added some weight, 224. You said that they're weighing guys right before they run now as well. That's we didn't right. mention that earlier. That will be significant. So we'll see if this is water weight, right, that these guys are going to cut in the next five, you know, 24 hours. The players have the opportunity to um, waive that second weigh-in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the, you know, I wonder how many will, and does that raise any flags? I don't know if it'll be a flag necessarily, but it, a question. Sure. Is that what a flag is? A yellow yeah. flag, I guess? Yeah. Some other linebacker notes that are interesting to talk about here is, is Patrick Queen did weigh in uh, along with uh, – uh, Murray from Oklahoma and in the contest of body mass index while Queen is lighter and shorter he has a higher BMI meaning he has more concentrated weight on his shorter frame than does Murray and I think that shows up a little bit when they play uh, you know I think um, their functional strength for Queen shows up a little bit more when he's dealing with blockers. And it's not that he's a powerful type of guy that he's breaking off blocks, but you do have to have some full body um, core strength, balance, and power to dip under these blocks and, and stay on your feet and not get pulled over. Uh, and I think Queen shows that enough. And I said yesterday, and we talked about some of these guys yesterday too. We talked about Troy Dye, who came in, I think, a little light. For his height, he was over 6'3 and in the low 230s. But Malik Harrison, man, I, yeah. I told Matt Minich just yesterday, if he tests with Solid. some juice, he came in 6'2 half, roughly and 247. He's a rock. I mean, that that's an NFL linebacker size for sure. And if he can move at least average, if he was like a 4'6'5 with sure, decent that's splits, nice. and, and, or even a 4'7'. And, and and has good agility or, or you know, average, above average agility, uh, you, you got to be pretty happy with that. And then you've also got to watch the the hybrid guys. So Josh Uchi, who might stay at edge, and Zach 245 Bond. 245 for Uchi. Yeah, and, and Zach Bond, who conversely, I think most people expect to, to move to an off-ball position, which for the Bengals, I think the Zach Bond fit is perfect. Right. The way Matt Minnick is talking about the way they want to use their linebackers in, in different ways. Yeah, and his video posted the one he teased on yesterday's podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, go to Matt Minnick's page on uh, on Twitter and you, you'll, you'll see it. I, I retweeted it today, too. I, I'm sure you did, too, Jake. Uh, but, yeah, because Bond can do the outside stuff and inside stuff and, you know, move around. But there are some other guys, lower-end guys, that I am interested in, in jumping on the radar if 
uh, Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech can test really well. I, you know, I like what I see on tape. I like the clips. If he can move at an average level, I'm happy. He might even be a little bit better than that. Uh, the little, the agility drills. If he's not, you know, completely stiff, then um, I'm going to be coming back to the tape on him and saying, okay, so where does he slide in in this? Is he a third, fourth, fifth rounder? In PFF's draft guide, which we use as a resource in our draft board building, it's one of the components that we use. They think that he on tape looks stiff. And so we'll see if, if there's any juice there. They, they think that he is fantastic. I and mean, if it was 20 years ago, he, he's a Ray Maluga. He's going to be great downhill. He in, in the run defense game, he could be really good. And so my, my thought on Jordan Brooks is, if he tests with, you know, average athleticism, say, in terms of agility, is there still a role for him on the Bengals the way they use their linebackers? And and I'm thinking it's a different kind of sub-package backer. Instead of having your sub-package backer be your, you know... Your, cover your, guy. Your what? Instead of him being the cover guy, they're almost the run defenders now, right? right? Was, That's what you want to say. I was trying to think of a name. So, like, Emmanuel Lemur has filled this role for the Bengals in the past. Right. Not very well. Brandon but, Johnson. Exactly. So these guys that come in in the nickel package only, well, you go the other way. So so if Jordan Brooks, and he was a good pass rusher in, in limited snaps, according to PFF, he's he's thick. He's a big guy. He's built. He's he's over 250. If he could be an outside backer for the Bengals, maybe not an edge rusher, but, you know, you put him out there in certain packages. I think Jordan Brooks is a guy that could bring some value there, especially as Matt Minnick pointed out, they weren't very good on the edge last year. So yeah. that could be helpful. I would also like to see him as a thumper in your 3-4 yeah. inside linebacker Those role. Those are the you two places Jermaine, he gets on the right. field. You keep Pratt free, you let um, Brooks take on that lead blocker, and that's where he fits in. You don't got to worry about him in coverage as much, and you you keep Pratt um, able to run and chase. Uh, but also the D lineman today, I'm looking for some three-techs. I'm looking for guys that can um, – learn under Geno Atkins. It's a slow developing position. It takes usually a year or two for defensive tackles. you got to kind of draft those guys a little bit early. It's a sneaky position at 33 that I don't think enough people are talking about because of the value at receiver and corner that's expected to be there. Uh, there's a couple guys, Ross Blacklock and and Neville Gallimore, that both came in at like 290 to 300, and that's the range I'm looking for because I want them to test well because if you're going to be a good interior pass rusher or disruptor, they typically test really well also. So both those guys have fun tape, Gallimore especially. Um, the last box for him to check would be to really blow up the combine and put a stamp on, hey, look out for me at 33. Man, I'm so excited to open up the RAS app the next time we do Mock Draft Monday and have these athleticism numbers in there because th there was a great article on The Athletic, Seven Lessons for NFL Teams to Learn to Draft Better. Did you see this? I did. It, and one of the biggest things in there is, is you know, self-evaluate. That's lesson number one is go back five years and see what your evaluations were, see what you missed because too often, and this is true everywhere in the world, you make a decision, you just don't look back. If it doesn't look if it doesn't work out, you don't go back to the process that led you to that decision and, and evaluate was it the process that didn't look out work out? Maybe I could have prevented this. So that was an interesting note. But then one of the other lessons that I've seen around lately in terms of things that we can learn is using composite athleticism scores instead of honing in on just a couple of numbers. And that is what RAS gives you. And we'll get into all of that once we have some testing coming in. And you said that's starting tomorrow. It is. Man, off we go. 
So we'll keep you abreast of the interesting stuff coming out of Indianapolis. We got our mailbag coming tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.